Sponsored by Wilkin and Sons, established in 1885. Hello, welcome to the latest podcast from World Radio Gardening. As you heard, this edition brought to you by Tiptree. Well, Ken Crowther has recently been on the fruit farms at Tiptree, but trying to get out of the frost. It's been cold. It's more like winter than it used to be. He met up with Andre. Up at Tiptree, you've heard me talk about the new growing system that they've been trying. With me, I've got Andre. Now, we're standing in... I was going to say an empty tunnel or green. It's like a greenhouse, really, isn't it? But it's polythene clad. It is. The technology, it's uh, coming from a glass house technology almost, but it's just cladded with uh, poly. And uh, in our region where we are, uh, poly is better than glass and we can produce uh, through the year, uh, all summer, I should say. No, we could do even early production if we introduce heating but at the moment there's no plan to introduce heating so in future maybe we will do something for the future now this is very futuristic wasn't it because it's basically um each trough as i call them or they're like gutters aren't they that go the length of the house yeah, yeah. and they are only well how how actual close is each one firstly any, how, how close are they? The, the technology which is here, it allows us to grow them as close as possible, to use 100% of the surface area to grow our crops. So the distance between the different troughs or lines, what you're referring, is uh, 50 centimetres apart. It's nothing, is it? it, it it's nothing, yeah. And you couldn't pick down them unless one of them is hoisted up higher and the other one stays down low that's that's the that, technology isn't that, it? that's the technology that's the beauty of the system you can when they're in full growing uh, or at growing time you equal the lines and every plant receives equal amount of light and when you have to interact with the crops you hoist one line up and one and one drops down and that way you create a gully which you can work and interact with the uh, with the plants now, you've cleared it of all your plants because this year was very experimental. And I remember earlier on that you planted at different ratios to see what the cropping would be like with different varieties. I mean, how many varieties did you have in here, firstly? Uh, this year, yes, it, it was a trial year. <coughs> we wanted to understand more how denser we can go. We've tried four different varieties with uh, three different densities. So we had uh, 10 plants per square meter, we had 15 plants per square meter, and we had 20 plants per square meter. Now, which one, I mean, I would think, oh, 20 per square meter must have produced more fruit, but did it? The 20 plants per square meter, it did produce more fruit, but not enough because you have to look at the economics, you have to look at the figures. If you, you, you're buying twice as many plants, and uh, you should get twice as, ma- as much yield. But you didn't. But we didn't. <laughs> yield was definitely higher, but it was about 50% maybe higher. So you kind of are losing a little bit. So that's why we went uh, to 150 and looked at 150. 150 is still higher, but when you calculate uh, the average and everything, actually it's not quite right. So we believe our density is going to be 120 for next year. That's 120 per hectare. Per hectare yeah. or 12 plants per square meter would be the perfect density we, and we'll get the maximum yield from a plant. So from uh, 
point of view from uh, numbers in terms of uh, margin per, per area, that's the best what we calculated on the results so far. And did all the varieties of strawberries do well in here or did you find one did better than others and will, will that be the variety that you'll grow, do you think? They, some of them were better, yes, uh, but the, the four different varieties got different characteristics. So we've chosen to go with two of the varieties next year. So we're going to have uh, like a June bearer, which is going to be planted very early in the year, and we, we're planning to start picking hopefully from April and finish by May. And uh, at that stage, we're going to replant again with an uh, ever, uh -huh. ever bearer. So having a second crop, and hopefully with the ever bearer, we will continue to have fruit up until late November, up until the first frost. And with the, with the density, you're really putting some fruit through this house, aren't you? We, we should be, yes. Next yes, year, yeah, we I, should, much, In farming, much we always say should be, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you ne nothing is guaranteed uh, in farming. You know how it is. You've got external factors, weather, which is the main factor for growing. But uh, in reality, it, you've got uh, protection and we've got control over it as much as we could. Ken Crowther speaking to Andre from Tiptree Fruit Farms and more from Andre later in this broadcast from World Radio Gardening. But into the World Radio Gardening Studios, it's considerably warmer there, comes Mick Lavelle. It might be a relatively quiet period for gardeners, but there's still plenty to do during the winter. Now, we've had a few frosts, haven't we, this year? Well, they've finally come at last after a bit of a mild uh, autumn, a very long, warm summer, a little bit of rain, a little bit of frost. It's starting to feel a bit more like winter again now, isn't it? Because that didn't happen last year. I think we had, what, one frost, didn't we, last year? Well, yeah, I mean, the, the thing last year is it, it got wet, and then it got wetter, and then it got even wetter. And uh, we could do without that happening just the same way this year it'd be good really if we got the rain a bit more gradually and maybe a little bit of frost on the way and last year we all said mild winter wet winter pests and diseases went right through the winter not realizing perhaps that they were going to get zapped so how important is weather to getting rid of pests and disease i think the thing is it's one of these situations where a cold winter will rid us of some of what we think of the more troublesome pests in the garden. There are always some things which benefit. Uh, and so the real issue that we have to sort of think about with this is to try and make sure that we maximise practices so that if we do, it is cold, that we get rid of the things we want to. So say, for instance, things like digging, uh, particularly in between uh, the crowns of plants in borders or in vegetable gardens, etc., does expose the soil and does help to kill some of the pests at or near the surface. It, it won't act to zap everything. Unfortunately, it can kill beneficial things as well. Because that's quite important. There are beneficial things that we worry about as well, aren't Well, there? this is it. I mean, the thing we talk about beneficials, actually, the beneficials are far more important in terms of the garden now because for amateur gardens in particular, there's very little in terms of a chemical armoury that you can still use. Now, whether you think that's the end of civilization as we know it or if you're a gardener, you think, well, we'll just have to get on with another way. This is one of the reasons why we tend to leave debris in the garden. I say debris, I don't mean lying debris on the soil. I mean all the sort of the tops on the plants and grasses, etc. We leave that on until around about March and cook them back then because that's home to an awful lot of beneficial insects, which we need the pests there. This is a peculiar thing. We need the pests there in the first place for the beneficial insects to, to be able to eat them or else they die out. And that's the real problem then is that the pests have nothing to eat them. It takes the predator a long time to build up its numbers again. And so we have to sort of balance between the things we like to do which we think will kill pests. But outside of the garden, digging is not a bad idea as long as it's a practice which 
fits in with what you're doing. But it's just good hygiene elsewhere, especially inside in glass houses and things like that. We tend to chuck all our old canes under a bench and all this sort of thing. They're full of all kinds of predators. Get that glass house, clean it out, disinfect it, just an ordinary disinfect and clean it out, get it ready for the winter so you don't allow a chance to overwinter. So that's the most important thing, is cleanliness next to, well, godliness, as they say. Well, in a sense, yeah, it's, it's uh, well, <laughs> if you want to call it that. I mean, realistically, uh, what we actually um, we want to achieve is just to make sure we get that balance, that we're not giving the pest any more than a minimum sort of chance, really, but we're maximising the uh, chance for the beneficials. Ken Crowther speaking with Mick Lavelle. Now we know the reason for the pests. It's to give the good guys a chance of survival. Sponsored by Wilkin and Sons. Established in 1885. Thank you for listening to this edition of the podcast from World Radio Gardening. Well, Ken's return to Tiptree, to the fruit fields. You heard him earlier speaking to Andre. And that conversation continues, especially in view of the winter weather and the need for protection. Up at the farm at Tiptree, it's cold, lovely frosty morning, sun shining, blue sky. Actually, it's a gorgeous day really, isn't it? It is. It's <laughs> perfect, I should say, for farming this time of the year. We need this weather. We do, don't we? We need the cold, so for the plant to have uh, time to relax, to recap, and uh, also it's helping against different uh, insects. And there's an interesting point, because last year the plants really didn't actually get a cold spell at all, did they? They didn't. Uh, you're right. We we had temperatures of in the region of 15 degrees up until uh, Christmas or even just after Christmas. Balmy, wasn't it? And it was really worrying time. And uh, we were thinking plant is not going to get the, the two hours or the rest what they, they need. And uh, crops will be compromised for the year. And it was to some extent the case with some varieties, but the end of the year turned to be okay. As farming sometimes does happen, goes either way with farming. Now, because you're tidying up, you're sorting out, you know, and we've seen that you, you know, you clear often a lot of the polythene that you use for, for in some of the plantings. Um, what ha- out of interest, you know, I can see a big heap down the end of the tunnel there of polythene. What happens to all your polythene and your wastage? Because in farming, it's uh, we've got. We're using plastics, we're using polythenes, we're using things that we didn't used to use years ago. And there's a great danger that it just gets put in the ground and it mustn't, must it? No, it mustn't. It's, it's uh, a tip tree we've been recycling for many, many years. And uh, for the last, I should say, five, six years, everything is 100% recycled. Nothing goes to the landfill. All our poly... It goes to different uh, or specialized centers where it gets recycled. Some of it reused again, some of it it could go to different places. And of course, we mustn't forget the water because your water is recycled, isn't it? Everything you irrigate goes back in and (laughs) is collected and put around again, isn't it? Yeah, we we try. We try what we could, really. It's uh, it's better for the environment. For example, this greenhouse uh, or from the poly, from all, all our poly houses, we collect the water. We put it back to the reservoirs and uh, reuse it for irrigation. So that's a, that's a great cycle. And where we are with our rainfall, we have to do that because uh, literally we don't get enough uh, East rain. Anglia is very dry, isn't it? It is dry. And this year it was an exception. You know, it was uh, wet 
in beginning of the year or up to June time and then turn really dry for the rest of the yeah, four months really. We, we hardly uh, saw any rain. So really it's a case of at the moment, um, you know, sort of, I was going to say, sorting out the farm, getting everything ready for the, for the new season, is it? It is. It, it's at uh, the moment we refer to downtime, really. Downtime. <laughs> it's not much of production going on. It's not much of an income. It's maintenance at the moment. It's uh, weathering down the tunnels, uh, taking plants out, uh, you know, taking plastic out, uh, replacing new bags, uh, preparing for the planting uh, around uh, January, March time next year. And uh, at the moment, it's just maintenance. We call it maintenance and, you know, getting with jobs like uh, cutting hedges, clearing ditches and uh, pretty All much, important yeah, stuff, though, isn't it? All important things which needs to be done and it's the right time to do it. What is it they say? There's a time for everything. A time to reap, a time to sow. Andre from Tiptree Fruit Farms in conversation with Ken Crowther. And that brings to an end this edition of the podcast from World Radio Gardening. Thank you for listening. Visit our website regularly for the next podcast coming soon. This programme was sponsored by Tiptree Fruit Growers and Preservers, established in 1885.